0: Hello, hello, hello! I am your Carmen Sandiego, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz, and welcome to in Yo mouth. Oh.
1: In your mouth. I'm
0: the queen of food, who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good. Show oh, you how to. Oh talk. God, that's good. I wanna know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey, I'm coming. In yo. mouth. I got mouth. the goosebumps. Hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the is Munoz, and it is Pride Week here in New York City. We are family. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my God, what a crazy Pride Month is it's been. Folks, do you know I just got in the mail, someone sent me, shout out to you, Relish Catering, which I'll talk about in just a second, but they sent me an entire, like, DIY mini rainbow cake just, like, delivered to my door because they love me, I guess, and they just wanted to. But I opened the box, and it's legit just, like, a baked cake in layers with the icing, and it's probably one of the most fabulous and most random things I have ever received. I am very honored that they chose me to send send something to. Um, But it was really cute and really cool, and what, like... What a weird, but yet fabulous thing just to like randomly like wake up to in the mail, right <laughs> if you are new around here and you just maybe Apple podcast has just listed me for the month on their pride playlist under Passionate spirits. I am so honored to be listed amongst um. Other amazing LGBTQ podcasters, I am the only food podcast out there celebrating LGBTQ people in the food space. So welcome. You are welcome into my podcast home. And if you are not new around here, well, you know how it goes. The tomfoolery is at full bead. What else can I tell you? Oh my god, a oh, big things happening. I just decided that I missed the restaurant industry. I mean, who, re- who misses the restaurant industry? But I took on a little bit of a part-time job in the evenings working at an outside boat restaurant thing here in the city. Let me tell you, it's actually a really good time and the toxic masculinity in the kitchen is alive and well. <laughs> And being passed down through the ages, it's almost like nothing has changed, but yet everything has changed. But let's get to the getting on today because I am super, super, super excited. For today's guests, y'all, the gay celebrities keep uh keep going, or should I say, the celesianism is like just alive and well in your mouth, listeners, new and old. Please help me welcome the ones, the only's Claire Rouget and Rosemary Kumani of Authentic Food Quest. Hi, ladies. <laughs> Hi there, <laughs> how are you? <laughs>
2: Excellent, great.
0: excellent, great. Oh, my goodness. Well, first and foremost, thank you for giving me your time because you're not even in the United States. Tell the kids where you're from, where you're like podcasting from with me today.
3: <laughs> we are in Cotor, Montenegro.
0: Oh, I mean. <laughs> Can can in your mouth get any more fabulous? We are uh, we are reporting to you live from Montenegro. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I should have worn something different.
2: <laughs> You're just fabulous as is.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for being here. And before we get Anywhere, y'all. I need to do what we always do here, ladies, on In Your Mouth. In the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Pecan Sandy Day. Oh,
2: interesting. Okay.
0: <laughs> pecan Sandies. Have you had a pecan Sandy? Do we know what a pecan Sandy is? It's very American, I think. Pecan Sandies.
2: No, no, no. But we have been on a pecan trail.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) So we'll get there. From Pecan Sandy, we're going to take the pecan trail to the Pecan Sandy. Okay. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. What exactly is a pecan trail?
2: South Carolina, the city of Florence, is known for pecans. And they have an amazing pecan trail where you visit restaurants, you visit producers, and you visit stores. And they have um, pecan-flavored martinis to cakes to desserts to beer. I mean, it is a fabulous thing to do in Florence, South Carolina.
0: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You must have had a pecan, Sandy, while you were in Florence, South Carolina then. Because... (laughs) A pecan sandy is basically a shortbread cookie. It's it's uh, that has like roasted pecans in it and it also um they sometimes can be referred to as a sable. Hmm. Right? And yeah. they're like these but they're like these like delicious but yet a little dry like cookie like a biscuit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um delicious and and I don't know, I say this to a lot of my guests, why we feel the need to celebrate all these random foods and have random food <laughs> holidays do you have an idea do you have any like maybe um thoughts on why we need a national food holiday for everything
2: i think, I think it's actually great uh peru as an example has a national pisco day uh argentina just celebrated malbec day
0: come, and i come, think it sh- come <laughs> come at me come at me i <laughs> Oh, we're here. We are rolling. They are ready for me in your the mouth. They're like, we we are ready for this, and we are going to be completely on brand at the same time. Yes, exactly. Exactly
2: for their tourism. I think it's good when they promote their own um, culture and their own food and what they have done and contributed to society at large. Like Malbec as an, as an example, worldwide wine, why not celebrate it? You know, Pisco Sour in Peru, why not? Um, so I think, it's, I think it's important for a country or a place to celebrate their heritage through food.
0: Yes, but uh, but America here, America, <laughs> right? Of uh, uh, being, uh, being uh, America, the land I love most of the time, um, depending where we are. But America here, just having celebrating like just pecan sandies, or or we we've had so many random, just random national panouch day. Um, I I don't I forget. I forget what a panooch even is these days. Um, And I don't know why, but you know what? No matter what you celebrate out there, whether it's National Pisco Day, National Malbec Day, or National Pecan Sandy Day, I think we are here for you to celebrate whatever it is, especially during Pride Month. And moving right along to this day in gay history, did you know that in 1894, ladies... Alfred Kinsey, biologist and pioneer in the study of human sexuality, was born.
2: Uh, (laughs) Did not know that. Fascinating, yeah. yeah. Right, right.
0: I, I put these tidbits in, and more and more and more as I do this, I feel the importance of keeping keeping our history not only alive, but at the forefront of our minds here, you know? And Alfred Kinsey being most notably uh, known for the Kinsey scale, right? One of Mm -hmm. the first of its kind. And for those of you youngins out there that don't know, the Kinsey scale was a measure of sexuality from heterosexual to homosexual, one to six, and where you fell on that scale and was used... um, worldwide for a long time till it's not anymore because things are way more complicated than just a one to six scale but you know he made a huge impact in his field you know and these days um, I don't know if you know at least here there's been a movement to take um, sexuality out of pride and uh, to make it more comfortable for Uh, heterosexual people. Have you heard about this? Hmm.
2: Hmm. No, No, but we've always had heterosexual ally friends with us at Pride Mm -hmm. celebrating. So to take the sexuality out of it, that's interesting. No.
0: No, and I always say Pride is inherently sexual because, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's about who we love in whatever form we're loving them, right? And it's always been about being different. We were being different and so we needed to, we were discriminated against or are discriminated against for being different because of who we love. So if you take the sexuality out of pride for the comfortability of others, it's almost like putting us, taking us backwards. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'd agree or not with me. Thoughts?
3: I I think, um, yeah, it's about celebrating diversity, differences and... Why not put out there what are those differences and- including the sexual yeah. differences mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So it's,
2: it's
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Jesse J once said, we are the colors of the rainbow. Literally. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So happy wow. birthday to you, Alfred Kinsey, on this day <laughs> yes. in gay in gay history. But I wanna to get to the getting on. And really dive into the roots of Claire and Rosemary. If you didn't know, and you probably already do, because they are super popular out there on the interwebs. And I recently learned the term, thanks to Court Rada from the Food Network, the term Celesbian, right? Because I was saying gay liberties, but she was like, No, I'm a lesbian," and I was like, Oh yes, I I accept and I feel like you are Celesbians if I may, if I may call you that.
2: You may, you may love it. We're, we're going to adopt that
0: one, too. Take it. I, I bestow it on you as it was bestowed on me. So, indie Mouth listeners, Claire Rouget and Rosemary Kimani are the culinary explorers behind Authentic Food Quest, a food and travel website focused on Local food experiences. In 2015, they traded in their corporate jobs to eat their way around the world. Through food, they believe people can connect deeper to a destination, culture, and people. As digital nomads, they travel the world slow, immersing themselves in the local culture through authentic Food experiences. On their website, they, sh- they share inspirational stories of local cuisine, culture, and recipes. Their goal is to help food lovers open up to the possibilities of connecting deeper to the people and places through local food. Yes, I mean, that was a mouthful, but I am here for all of it. I am here for the both of you. And I want to start at the very beginning. So, Rosemary. Where did yes. the love of food come from?
2: Great, great question. Um, actually, my, my journey with food um, has been progressive. Um, I don't, I didn't grow up with a lot of good food, meaning that my mother was not a good cook.
0: Where did you grow up?
2: <laughs> I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Yes.
2: And um, so I didn't actually grow up cooking in the kitchen. The second reason is um, I had brothers. And I used to feel like the girls were told, go to the kitchen, I have a younger sister, and the boys could go play. So in a sense, I rejected um, cooking, and and the food was never flavorful, in my opinion. When I moved to the U.S. is when my love for food um, started. I was exposed to the first time to cuisines from all around the world, Um, you know, eating at Vietnamese restaurants, Thai restaurants, um, you know, and those were um, cuisines I had not experienced growing up. And so that opened me up to just new tastes, new flavors, and got me interested in food.
0: Um, And Claire, and Claire, your love of food, where did it begin?
3: You know, with my mom cooking at home, she was always cooking with fresh food. Um, she was always shopping to a butcher, going to a farmer's market. Uh, so I grew up in France and also on the weekend, it was big family reunions and food was really at the center of meals, of getting together, of connecting and even at you know, in a small family at home, every day we would always get together when the meal, you know, was time for our meal. Even if my yeah. dad was late home, was always, wait, dad is not here, gotta wait to set the table. So I, I
0: feel like I feel as in um and two like juxtaposition uh, juxtaposing stories here about what the kitchen means. Um, to you in the sense of but i feel like if you grow up in uh, a culture that is like really rooted in that culture that the kitchen really is um a hub a center that that is beyond the food itself yes it's centered around the food but would you agree rosemary that maybe yes uh, you were being told to be in the kitchen because you were a girl, but there's also a cultural experience of coming together in that kitchen.
2: Yes, there was a coming together um, in that kitchen and eating at the dining room table. Um, so for sure, um there there was that there was that coming together. Um but I think it's, I mean, from my perspective, it's different now when I think about being with Claire's family. There's a different camaraderie. Um, In my family, it was much more strict. It was, you know, the kids um, eat, you know, table manners, not a lot of convivial conversation, joking. That was my experience. Um, Yeah, I I
0: get that, too. Like when when my mother used to take us out to dinner or whatnot, we Or if there was like a wedding or something, and have you ever been to one of those weddings and those and those people that let their kids just run amok and Mm -hmm. the kids running around and doing the things and sliding across the floor? Oh no! Oh no, no! 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 You will sit and you will act appropriately. And yeah. you will eat your food because you're not going to embarrass me here. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I get it. And I love, Claire, that you mentioned like going to the butcher. I feel like the butcher is a lost art that I, um, I grew up like with my grandmother and my mother going to a butcher. They know a butcher. And that I would sometimes go to this butcher in my neighborhood. But during the pandemic and the meat shortage, I started... I kind of rediscovered the butcher, and now that's the only place I get my meat. Yes,
3: this, you know fresh, uh, fresh meat, and I think it's it's a, an art that's kind of disappearing because I don't think it's that easy to to you know be behind the counter and do the meat and. Um, but it's such a you know celebration of good food, and uh, in France they do preparation, so you can get like a almost a ready to serve meal, but it's really well made, homemade, uh, directly from from most people.
0: Yeah, some of the butchers here in the city do something very very similar, and there's a butcher near me that only that was a and a retail butcher for a while, and then. Switched to wholesale, that they would only provide the meats to all the really expensive high-end restaurants. And then during the pandemic, they had to revert back after many, many, like I'm talking like many, many years of not being a retail butcher and um, just being able to walk into the place now yeah. and being like, know. oh, and they have things prepared and prepared – the way they would for these high-end restaurants that now you have access to or I have access to, you know, is, is really, really special. And if you go at the right time and you know how to speak to them, they will guide you on what's really affordable, like what they are, what they're trying to move. And they're like, oh, well, this is on sale because we have too much of this or we've prepared too much, so, like, this is on sale. And you can get really amazing things. I don't I don't know why I just became all obsessed with a butcher right now. <laughs> but I did you said butcher and you like warmed you warmed the cockles of my heart or maybe it's just that I love a man who knows how to handle his meat. But <laughs> this is what we do here on the pod. I- I'm full of terrible jokes, ladies. Don't mind me. So, okay. So you have this. You find your love for food here, and back on track, you know, uh, back down this yellow brick road. You find your love for food, and 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 you're trucking along, and you have corporate jobs. Where Where is the point that you two a meet, b fall in love, and then decide, you know what, let's start a food journey and just quit our jobs? Three part question. <laughs> Somebody take it away. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it, it started with food, of course. And continues with food. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, we met in Chicago and um, I was going regularly to a monthly dinner with a lesbian group. And was a get together uh, way to connect with the community, to be with other lesbian women. And that particular dinner was uh, raw food. Uh, so we are going out to a raw food restaurant. And oh my God. I've never remember,
0: been to a raw, food. Trend, raw, <laughs> yes, food? raw food. Remember that trend of
3: yeah. raw food? how
0: And how people just got away serving you uncooked food? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Salads,
2: salads, overpriced salads. Oh, my God.
0: Anyways, continue. (laughs) I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) So on on my end, um, I had come out of a relationship and was looking to get to know the community. And so I had seen this um, posting with this lesbian group. And I was like, oh, well, why not? Um, It's, you know, um, maybe I'll meet some people. But if nothing else, I'll try raw food for the first time. So that was my point of view going in. I personally was not super excited about raw food,
3: but the dinner was not super frequent. So I'm like, oh, if I miss this one, you know, it's too bad. I miss the opportunity to just uh, meet new ladies. So that's what got me excited: (laughs) is the ladies first.
0: (laughs) Yes. 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 So, so you meet you meet over delicious raw food, (laughs) and you fall and you fall in love.
2: I mean, it was, we sat next to each other just by chance, and we could not, uh, everyone else disappeared in the room. We were just centered on the both of us connecting, talking, um, you know, just feeling the chemistry.
3: Got some lovely uh, art cookies at the end. It was like, this is a sign.
0: <laughs> I love that. In your mouth, listeners, I wish you could see this. And I probably could post it. I'm, I'm recording the video. But the way they tell this story, the way Claire and Rosemary tell this story, with so much like love in their eyes and like checking in, is actually really beautiful to see. And I kind of want to give you that visual. Because as they tell the story, it's, it's not it's almost like they're recounting the story to each other and not necessarily myself in a really, really beautiful way, which is, ladies, it's stunning to see. So you meet, we fall in love, all right? What year was this?
2: This is March 2008.
0: 2008, all right, 2008, 2008. okay. In Chicago, Mm -hmm. okay. Now, is it all, now, can can we just go down the stereotype uh, is it like you meet raw food and then it's you hauls and flannel the next day? Or
2: <laughs> oh, I think we're gonna have to get real here. It took a it took a minute. Okay. Uh, we got we got to know each other.
0: You know, breaking down barriers and, and demolishing <laughs> stereotypes. I love it.
2: Yeah. Continue, yes. Continue. Um, <laughs> it. We we dated, you know, you know, regularly, seeing each other. And then um I think about, I mean, we traveled together, you know, again, see, you know, getting to know each other in different scenarios. Um, and then I believe my lease was coming up almost, what, almost a year later or then that that we moved yes. in? Yeah, well, about, almost yeah. a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then after that, we moved in together.
0: Lovely, lovely. How yeah. beautiful. How absolutely beautiful. So then, okay, now we're moving in together. But when did, were you just like taking trips and to like fabulous places like Montenegro, and then being like, "This is great! This is great!" and then decided, "Hey, we should do this for a living." Where did where did the light bulb turn on that you were going to be these fabulous food like travel moguls here?
3: So the the, the food path has always been uh, with us wherever we go as far as the the way to discover a place and not being from the U.S., uh, both of us. Also, you know, discovering the U.S., uh, there was always uh, the lenses around food, uh, being the U.S. or traveling somewhere else. And uh, during our journey, we actually went to France uh, work in France before going back to it. So we did a bit of a back and forth. And that's where I think we uh, we met some people who were expats in France, but didn't have the same experience around food and getting to connect uh, with a culture, with the people, with some meals that are really typical. And we thought they were missing out. So we started to introduce them to that side of, of the culture. And I think in, in both in our um, professional journey, uh, we were kind of, um, I would say, uh, for, for myself, uh, kind of plateauing, uh, seeing that you know we were still doing this nine to five job type.
0: I mean, what, what were you both doing before this?
3: Uh, I was in uh, engineering, so my background is in engineering, and I work in, in different industries. And at the time, I was actually working for a food equipment. Uh, company, oh, so wow. working on equipment that professionals professional use in the kitchen. So I met a lot of chefs doing that, a lot of you know fun stories doing that. Uh, but I wanted to have uh, you know more impact and uh, give more meaning to what I was doing.
2: Um, and, that, and at the time, I was working in advertising um, at different different agencies, large agencies in Chicago and uh-huh. in Paris. Uh-huh.
0: Aha, <laughs> There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you admit it. No. <laughs> well,
2: I, mean, I, I was I was ready for change. I was ready to do something. You were something. ready
0: for change yes. and then you were like, "Well, I have all the know-how to make uh, why am I making other people money through advertising? We yeah. we love traveling. We love food. I have the know-how. I have the engineering experience. <laughs> to make all of this happen. Yeah, all the puzzle pieces just went like <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can you can say so. You can say so. But it was an act of faith. It was an act of courage. We were stepping outside. I mean, we had, you know, parents, especially Claire's family. You know, what are you doing? You're leaving such a stable career. You know, I had the same thing as well, too. Are you guys crazy? Is it just a sabbatical you're taking? Is it a midlife crisis? You know, what's going on? You know, so there was a lot that we had to, from a mental mindset um, point of view is a lot we had to overcome.
0: Um, My favorite, and you just named, you just titled your episode, and I love when my guests do this. It wasn't an act of faith. It was an act of courage. Like, in your mouth, listeners, digest that for a moment. Like, take that in. It wasn't an act of faith. It was an act of courage. And how, like, how beautiful, yes, absolutely. Speaking of acts not being an act of faith and an act of courage or maybe an act of both, can you talk to me about coming out and what that was like for your, the both of you?
2: I think you should go first. I think you should.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't we also don't qualify coming out stories here, yeah. you know, because you can't I always say you can't qualify coming out stories as good or bad because if you're something that's qualified bad as far as coming out in my eyes when the person has reached the other side and is a beautiful human being and has found their family then how like it could have started off not so great but look look as a result what happened so there's no qualification here of coming out story so either one can start because all coming out story i mean look where you are and look how beautiful you are now so like it's part of the journey, and it's important to hear.
3: Sure, and and uh, as you mentioned, it's it's for me. It's really been a, a journey. Uh, I came out late, and that's uh, first is really coming out to oneself. And um, I grew up really around um, you know around guys. I I knew right away I didn't want to add the. Um, uh, like conform to society, you know, being the good girl who plays with the girls. No, I was playing with, with boys, boys uh, because I was surrounded by my brother's friends. They were older and there was no girls of my age. So uh, I did most of what boys do when they're young and I loved it. And uh, as I grew up, I also went into a field. I was an engineer and... Uh, I actually graduated uh, uh, doing mechanical engineering. Again, a field where it was mostly male around me. And um was fun. I, I love being with guys, but I never really fell in love. I, I was like attracted, dated guys. But it was just a fun thing to do. You have to do, um, you know, when you young adults. Yeah. And I, again, I didn't um, fall for, oh, I need to have kids. Like this is never part of my interest so it's only later on when it was out of the uh, of the university how out, out of being in the, the dorms with all friends and then feeling lonely at home starting to question what do i really want uh, it's, it's, um, you know, starting to be to heavy, to be lonely. And uh, what kind of relationship do I want? And that's how I started to second guess uh, the idea to be with guys because I, I didn't have so much attraction to guys. Um, at the time I was in France and in, you know, in Paris, things were very open where I was a little less. So it was hard to find resources to be exposed to that. And uh, shortly after I moved to the US and because I was in Chicago, it's a large, large city, then I reached out to LGBT community, found the resources, met with the lesbian group, and that's where I felt, you know, that's where I came to myself and I knew um this is the right thing for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh similarly when I came out um fully in university uh myself or in college. The when I got back to New York, I had no friends, right? Because anybody in high school and people had moved away and we had moved into a new home and whatnot. And I went to the LGBTQ center here in Manhattan, not only to find um, a doctor that specialized in LGBTQ health, but also there were groups that I was part of where I made friends that I still have friends to from this day. So um, it's a good point that you make as well that you need to support or we need to support our local LGBTQ centers because even if we're not using them, the resources they provide for the community, for our young people especially, right, and our seniors um, is phenomenal and tremendous. And shout out to the LGBTQ, LGBTQ centers all over the world doing the work for the people now. Do you want to jump in? <laughs> yeah, I, I can jump in
2: here. And I, and I have to, I, I do, I will jump in, but I have to really say something about the support as well too. And uh, having also other people and other role models. So I grew up in Kenya and in Nairobi, as I mentioned earlier, and it was, it's not a very open society. And I certainly grew up in a very closed home. Um, so there was no deviation. I mean, so I had boyfriends, but there was nothing there. Um, and so when I finally got a chance to go to school in the US, I remember my first semester, one of my one of the friends that I met and we're still good friends today. Um, he was gay and when i met him and we were sitting in class and we we're talking and i got to know him he's just such a regular guy he took me to his home i had dinner with his family loving family and that's when i started to really think about me and and what i want and who i who who really i, I am and then when i saw the how he was how he is you know he's one of my best friends today how he's well adjusted his family loved him I realized that I can do that for myself I can create the life that I want so in my case I had to in a way cut ties um and I think it was mutual on both ends um I ended up telling my parents, um, so I, after I finished undergrad, then I went to graduate school. And then it was only after when I started my first job that I found a community, much like Claire mentioned, this was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And very much, I didn't know anyone. It was my first job, new city, and I needed support. And I decided at that time, I'm gonna face this being gay thing. Am I gay? Am I not? My parents, I, I, you know, I knew that it was not gonna work, but I need, I needed that support. So through that center I found support. Um, I ended up meeting my first girlfriend at the time and it was you know so because of that I told my parents officially and it it did not go down well. Um, My mother uh, was a member of the church. I don't know that she still is Um, and so she would send me recordings of singing and the choir singing because America has, I don't know, condemned me or changed me. and
0: Yeah, we you know, used so to have, my mother and I, we used to have prayer sessions and my mother loves me very much. I love her too. We have a great relationship, but we used to have prayer sessions in the car when she would drive me to college that I would find a girlfriend.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So
0: yeah. I, yep, I can relate. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So as a result of my case, um, I chose me and I chose my happiness and I am not, I, so we don't have a relationship with my parents. Um, I don't want their life. I don't want their life for me. I want my life. Um, so that's, so that's
0: what I've chosen. So choosing, yeah. choosing you. I love that yeah. yeah. You're like literally giving me all the things today. <laughs> <laughs> I literally chose me. And sometimes you need to, and sometimes that's the most, Important lesson to learn. I and I think you both would agree, um, as people of a certain age here, that you know, choosing like choosing you may be the most important decision you make in your um, lifetime, yeah. Right. Yes.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember my mom's sister um, is in the U.S. She's based in the U.S. as well. And she asked me one question that fundamentally changed my life. She said, are you preparing yourself for life in the U.S. or life in Kenya? And when I answered the question, life in the U.S., um, that was also tied to that whole idea of then you live with the choice you have made. Um, because you know you're not going to go back because you're not going to go back and conform to life in Kenya. So that, again, was also uh, very helpful. But it, it came to making that one decision.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. May, maybe an act of faith and courage in in oneself.
1: Yes, right. yes, in bring, that case.
0: To bring it full, so you see what I did there? <laughs> yes, <See what> I- <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're tracking, we're tracking. <laughs> Oh my goodness, ladies! Thank you so much for sharing that with us and the audience. As I always say, and I won't stop saying it, each of our stories are important because we never know who's listening. Especially now that I feel like there's an influx of listeners because of me being humbled and honored by being on Apple's Pride playlist uh, this this month. And we never know who's listening, and we never know who our stories can impact and affect. So thank you for sharing, because it is important, not only during Pride Month, but every day of the year. I want to take my own act of faith and courage and choose the podcast right now for a minute and take these beautiful ladies to my favorite part and your
1: favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call... Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. That's SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery.
0: Food News Updates! Food up. News! Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl! Spill the tea! News Updates! A bakery lost a client when it made Rainbow Pride cookies, so others bought every item in the bake shop. This is a story that's been hitting the news cycle, and it's a story of community and coming together and, and you know what, overcoming hate. And thank you to the Washington Post for this uh, little article here. But when a small Southern bakery made rainbow-themed cookies to celebrate Pride Month, there was a swift backlash. Confections, a tiny store in Lufkin, Texas, shared a photo on its Facebook page of heart-shaped rainbow sugar cookies with the caption, more love, less hate. Happy Pride to all of our LGBTQ friends. All lovers of cookies and happiness are welcome here. Within the hour, the small business near the eastern edge of Texas lost dozens of followers on social media and not long after a peeved patron canceled an order she had placed for five dozen cookies. Now, ladies, these are those like cookies, those sugar cookies that yeah. are really intricate, that take mm-hmm. hours to make, which I which I don't understand. <laughs> who has the patience to make them A and why? But like, shout out to you if you're doing that out there because it's an art for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, they had just made all these summer-themed cookies for this person who saw their rainbow cookies and then they were like nope no thanks the bakery is run by three people all family tiny they were struggling because of the pandemic so like even losing that order hit them hard and so they they put out another statement saying oh we didn't we never thought that something like this would happen over a message of love if anybody's around and needs cookies we're going to have an overstock of them because now people are canceling their orders. The next day they arrived to the shop with a line well around the block waiting to buy cookies from their shop. So much so the phone kept ringing that they had to take it off the hook because they couldn't keep up with the the, the line and the phone at the wow. same time. Yeah. People were buying wow. cookies for, for people behind them. People were buying cookies for... Uh, kids in the street, people were trying to give them money, just to give them money, to which they told them to donate to LGBTQ-themed organizations or animal rescue services.
2: Wow, that is, that yeah, that is love story. wins. Love wins all the time. Wow, always. wow, always, always. time, ta-
0: And in small-town America, small-town yes. Texas...
2: Wow, that is that's inspirational. I think we're I think we're maybe turning that corner that we need to turn in this country in the U.S. That's Absol- exciting. Yeah,
0: Absol- absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, she goes on to say the line brought me to tears. All those people standing in the rain, waiting so patiently to buy a cookie. We just wanted to be inclusive, and it was heartwarming to see how many people fa- uh, felt the same.
2: Wow, wow, that that really does bring tears to my eyes. Mm-hmm. That is.
0: In love, love, love. Love. So, Inclusivity. Yeah, there's a man by the name of Jay Eagle, who was a regular customer who owns a computer repair shop across the street and said that he was awed by the spirited crowd that congregated outside the bakery. He goes, it was really neat to see people coming together like that. While the initial backlash didn't surprise me, it was great to see how much more it is the other way now.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Exciting. Wow. That's incredible. That's these are the inspiring. stories. These are the,
0: these are the stories we need to hear. Especially yes. this month, right? Exactly. And
2: like you said, and every day of the year too.
0: And every day of the year. <laughs> yes. I mean, mm. absolutely. I, I think we're we are both here for this. And you know what? I am sure Confections Bakery in Lufkin, Texas, are still taking your orders. Or still supporting the community, go out there and support them. Google them. I think they are, their Instagram handle is at sugar cookie art or sugar art cookie. I forget off the top of my head right now, but please go send them all the love or just send them a love note, right? Because I think you would agree that we are yeah. here for this. Yeah. Yes, yes,
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Legal Beef Boiling in New York City Court Over Boar's Head Deli Meats Fortune. Ladies, have you heard about this? This is probably one of the most iconic food news stories, I think, to date on this episode. Do you know about Boar's Head Meat?
2: We, yes. lo- we love Boar's Head
0: Meat, yes. Okay. Not a sponsor, but we'll... Gladly take all your sponsorship money once you figure out this legal battle. <laughs> so apparently there is, thank you to the Daily News, Um, a salty beef is sizzling among the heirs to the Boar's Head fortune. Okay. So the death of Barbara Brunkhorst, the daughter of Boar's Head founder, Frank Brunkhorst, has sparked a Court fight amongst the two families who control the deli meats company, estimated to earn around one billion annually. One side disputes; right is the grandson of the Boar's Head founder and Barbara's nephew, and the other side is Eric Bischoff, grandson of Bruno Bischoff, who was Frank Brancahore's brother-in-law. Basically, at its basis, the woman died. She allegedly wanted the money to go to neurological research research x, y, and Z, and now the other side is like, "Well, no, that's my money. You can't take that and it's uh. over this iconic deli meet here in New York City with so much like family television drama that i I feel like it needs to be made into like a six part like Netflix series.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. My God, that's crazy. Yeah, it's funny what money will do to families and how it'll split them apart. Oh my god.
0: In really, and did you know? I found this in a really interesting fact factoid. The elder Bronkhorst and the Elder Biscoff started the business in 1905 selling hams and other meats from a horse-drawn wagon in Brooklyn. And oh, wow. the, and, and the fortune has been split between, or the business has been split between the two families ever since. Ah,
2: interesting, interesting. Yeah, wow. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how it's resolved.
0: Right? Yeah. I just just thought this was like fabulous. I mean, talk about the gay drama of it all, even though (laughs) they're they're probably not gay, right? I'm not outing anybody on the pod here. (laughs)
2: Oh my God, you're right about a series here. We need to see chapter by chapter.
0: Chapter by chapter, like hiding piles of money and like hollowed out yes. hams, you know? <laughs> <laughs> can't, you, wow. can't you see like transport, transporting just like truckloads of like hollowed out hams with all these like monies, like just transporting it being like, don't worry, he'll never know. The, the, like They're like, you can... I bet, allegedly here, that someone is uh, just squirreling away money in like, you know, <laughs> deli meats and something. So that way, at <laughs> least if this goes the other way, they'll still have money in the bank.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, but it's incredible. They started from horse wagons, selling at horse wagons. Wow. Selling
0: meat, going back to the butcher of it all. Selling, yes. selling meat. We are just keep coming like that. We're going to the carousel. Of this podcast, but I mean, selling meat off the back of a wagon, you know?
2: Yeah. $1 I mean, million dollar business. Wow.
3: Could
0: you imagine buying meat out of the back of a trunk today? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Not sure in the US, but we can see that around the world.
2: Yeah. Some places. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe.
0: I don't know. I hope these families get it together, though. Yes, and, no kidding. And figure it out because love is love. And And money isn't everything, even though if they have some some extra money just uh, for some sponsorship dollars, I will take it. And last but not least, ladies... Peanut Butter & Company celebrates Pride Month with food bank do- donations to celebrate LGBTQ communities. The Peanut Butter & Company, the family-owned business peanut butter brand, available more- at more than 15,000 stores nationwide, announces a new effort to support food insecure LGBTQ communities across the country by donating 1 million spoonfuls of peanut butter to food banks.
2: Good, I think good initiative, but maybe healthy food would be maybe preferred.
3: I like peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter. Okay, okay,
0: Wait a minute. Now, is peanut butter unhealthy?
2: I, I, I don't know what else goes in it, okay? <laughs> and, and I don't know. Besides the crushed peanuts, I'm not sure what else goes to make it, to conserve it.
0: I think, I think, depending on what, what brand here, mm-hmm. right? If we're going to dive deep into the health factors of <laughs> peanut butter, I think... Much like anything, you can get the bad, the bad, and the good kind. You yeah. know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Because yeah. there's like the the peanut butter with a ton of sugar added mm-hmm. and other crap added to it, and then the natural peanut butter that's just peanuts, yeah. maybe a little salt and right water or whatever else goes into peanut butter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just oil. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Peanut.
0: Right. Some crushed peanuts, because Mm I I learned a long time ago that you can't call it peanut butter unless there's like a high amount of peanuts in it. Like the peanut, the Mm -hmm. National Peanut Board will not let you call it peanut butter unless it's like 90 percent peanuts or something, something, you know, that's peanut heavy. (laughs) <laughs> Something yes, like yes. that. But I always talk about the statistics of LGBTQ homeless youth in, in America because a large percentage of homeless youth in America are LGBTQ of the LGBTQ nature, sometimes up to 40%. Wow.
2: Did not realize it was that high.
0: At wow. least here in America. Because much like these coming out stories where families disown people, they're kicked out, or they're kicked out of their foster care, or onto the street, or they just leave because they feel like they're unsafe.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they yeah. end
0: up in the, in the shelter system.
2: I mean, I mean, it's it's amazing what they're doing in terms of providing some support. Then, um, you know, from that point of view, you know, as a peanut butter <laughs> fan,
0: yes, because <laughs> I yeah. think
3: it's a nutritive food.
0: So yeah I love thirsty. I love peanut butter. I love 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 <laughs> peanut butter. And I am here for peanut butter doing the work. You know what? More often than not, a lot of these companies don't put the the peanut butter where their mouth is. You know, the money where their mouth is. In <laughs> right. the sense of they'll throw a rainbow on it, but what are they mm-hmm. doing in the background, you know? Yeah. And a, yeah. and as a po- what I love about this is that peanut butter and company isn't throwing rainbows on all their peanut butter jars. They're like, F that. What we're going to do for Pride Month is donate food to yeah. necessary food banks that house LGBTQ people that are LGBTQ centric, you know? Right, right. Because this will have more of an impact than throwing yeah. a rainbow yeah. on, our, yeah. on our canister.
2: Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And it's, yeah, like you said, they're putting their money where their mouth is. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, yeah, yeah. So it's great.
0: So, it's great. Yeah. I think we are here for this, and I think that's a very inspiring way to end food news update. How was that for you? Are you are you going to go through the streets of Montenegro now, telling everybody <laughs> that there's a big meat war here happening in America
2: <laughs> with peanuts as well?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, we have a fair share here of um, the smoked ham
0: is a prosciutto is uh, style oh, of Montenegro is. Mm. I wish you could mail some to me. I love, <laughs> I love, I love. Best food destination in your eyes? Wow,
2: that's wow. a that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I um, mean, you've
0: been everywhere in your mouth, listeners. If you go to AuthenticFoodQuest.com, you, there is a food guide for. Everywhere you can imagine, almost like you just can click through. And now that we're back to traveling, um, it's a great resource if you're just traveling someplace and need like food recommendations or like, and they really, really dive deep into the cultural aspects. You know, it's just not like tourist food or popular tourist restaurants here. So, you know what? Top three. How about top three?
2: (laughs) Okay.
1: I'll
2: go with Greece. I'll start Greece. The island of Crete, fresh flavors, amazing products. You, you, amazing artisans as well too. I mean, when you eat the food, you taste the actual. If it's tomatoes, if it's zucchini, if it's eggplants, I mean, you taste the food. That is like good, solid, good food, good products, good people. Mm, Some of the best
0: number two healthy, healthy. Yeah. Yes,
2: I love Vietnamese
3: food in vietnam it's a lot of street food but what i love is um is those ladies that have like their little street carts and they serve only one one bowl one meal so when you show up there you served almost right away and it's a diversity of flavors this combination they do sweet sour salty fish sauces uh, really heavy and also the texture a lot of work around the rice and and herbs as well so it's very interesting combination of flavors very tasty very delicate as well
0: and l- let's have number three what has been the jointly jointly the the place that you both keep going back to
2: I think we'd have to say Argentina yes. on this one. <laughs> Argentina. I mean, well, uh,
0: I mean, uh, I mean, there was a, there was full agreement across the board. So,
2: <laughs> I mean, it is the. I mean, from the meat, um, the wine, the wine, the Malbec wine we were talking about, mm-hmm. as well as their other the wines, um, the quality of the produce as well.
3: Um, and diversity, you know, they they are from the Andes to the, to Ushuaia, so you have your seafood, you have your meat, you have your grains. Um, everything
2: I mean it's one of the countries where we saw native potatoes native grains and I mean the diversity we ate llama meat there for the first time in the north of Argentina I mean it's the the food from there to Buenos Aires where it's very heavily Italian influenced you know it's just very different and very interesting
0: llama meat I'll I'll try it why not what was the two things two-part question here the most exotic thing you've, e- you've eaten in your travels, and then the thing that you like, were like, I, I never want to eat that again.
2: <laughs> I think mean, the most exotic has been uh, guinea pig. Okay. And, and that's from Peru. It's called Cuy, C-U-Y, and it's a traditional specialty. Um, it is not something we were looking forward to eating. But because we look, we talk about local food and we have to write about it from an authentic point of view, we had to have it. Um, it is, um, it's very, it's like rabbit, it's not a lot of meat, uh, very bony. Um, you know, it was good to have it one time and um, it was exotic, and I think that's, that, that's good. And then the thing we would not have, but, ah, in the
3: Philippines. <laughs> um there is um street food that's like, quite popular it's a snack um it's called balut oh and yeah balut
0: i've had balut yes. i
3: am oh,
2: yeah?
0: yes so tell the kids what balut is please
2: so it, it is the it is a baby
0: a baby it's a baby bird. D- yeah it's a baby it duck? A duck? it's a duck it's egg a, it's yeah. A duck, it's a duck, yeah it's a duck egg yeah em- duck embryo yes embryo. And yes, you eat it out of, any month, listeners, they just like crack the top of the egg open. And then there's like this liquid and you like drink the liquid and then like you eat like a tiny formed like duck embryo. Yeah, yeah there's a restaurant here in the city. I've had it. Do you like it? It was an experience. Yes. I will say. Shout out to my Filipinos out there. Shout out to all the Filipinos right Ooh. yeah i yeah. mean i mean just you know cultures and experiences are just so so interesting and it's just like where did it even come from you know like yeah. where did but then again it's just like well also who decided who decided let me like cut this pig up and throw throw this thing on the fire and call it bacon right and now it's delicious right. you know like it's just like discovering that and discovering where these things come from has to be so, so special to you both.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's what we really love about discovering the food. It's the stories behind the food and how they're created. And many of them are mistakes. If we think about a lot of desserts, especially in Portugal, is what comes to mind. You know, someone left the oven going and then it formed into something that was never originally intended. And then now it's a specialty. It's just, it's fascinating. You know, some of those, you know, are created in by nuns. Um, you know, the, the stories of the food are, I think, for me, what the best part about, uh, one of the best parts about Authentic Food Quest. I mean, of course, the eating is something yes. else.
0: <laughs> yes. yes. Food food history in itself is just an interesting and crazy topic. Um, yes. A long time ago, uh, pre-pandemic, I did uh, a panel, I moderated a panel on the Intrepid here in New York City, uh, the, the warship, and it was all about cakes in the Navy, right? And how these big ships to keep the morale up would figure out how to make these massive cakes. But remember, you're on a ship. Supplies are limited. So if right. you run out of eggs feeding thousands of sailors, how are you going to make a cake? Right. And then and then that turned into the impact that the military the us military had on the way americans eat like a lot of the frozen foods in america come because of they were designed to be military all the prepackaged things were designed for wartime and to like feed the military and then these companies were like oh well if we could do this for them why aren't we feeding all of this to the american public you know like just right. all of that is like simply fascinating and you can I'm sure food historians exist, but like you, literally can just spend a lifetime.
2: Yeah, doing this, and then and then tracing the the flavors uh, and the origins. Between, yeah, yeah, the yeah. origins and how they end up. They start here and they end up somewhere the, else. Yeah, like yeah. like how
0: Americans brought from Persia the peppers to India, and mm. how curry came over. And from India to Thailand, right. and like all like the trade routes and this and yeah, that, it's exactly. insane. So I'm I'm very envious at just about your journeys and and what you do and and how you do it, and it's it's quite spectacular and quite incredible to see. Now that we're traveling again, and traveling kind of what I'm going to call locally, more, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. traveling locally, I have. Obviously, a lot, a large part of the audience here is American. Um, And then second, sometimes they battle each other uh, from India. Shout out to you, India. Hey, Um, where, where would you suggest or where, how do, how would we start to explore again?
2: That's that's a great question. Um, I mean, there is a lot.
0: You know, it's like starting, like, the the engine to a car again. Like, the world is starting up again. Like, how do we start to explore again coming through this?
2: I mean, I think you start in your own backyard. You don't have to go far. You don't even have to get in your car. You know, just a few, about a year, right before the pandemic, we actually took a tour of Chinatown, Chicago. Now, Claire and I have lived in Chicago for years, but we had never taken that tour or been or spent enough time in Chinatown. So, you know, a metro stop away and we were transported to a fascinating place and we learned about Chinese contributions to American food. So we didn't even have to go far. We ate at restaurants within that Chinatown tour experience that took us all the way to, you know, Sichuan in China. So I think you can first very much just start where you are. And support your local, your local community right there.
0: Amen. Then
2: then you can go on across the state.
0: Amen. Amen. Ladies, um, it is pride month. And before we close out, because this has been really incredible, and I just want to keep talking and talking and talking, and you have to come back. Um, <laughs> since it is Pride Month, I always ask everybody, what does pride mean to you? Feel free, either one of you, take it and take it away.
3: For me, I think pride means, you know, to be true to yourself and, and to be out there and be at ease, being yourself
2: and showing who you are to the world. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I would agree. It's about be you, um, be, you know, bring you out, uh, bring you out to the world, you know, be you and, and express yourself, share yourself. Uh, because you never know who you'll come in touch with and what minds you'll change. Um, Just be you and be proud.
0: Amen. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a delight, a pleasure. Uh, You legit have just made my day. I, I am so, the cockles in my heart are very warm with meeting you, and you are, and I am proud to say that you are now part of my big gay foodie village, um, and I am happy to have you here. So and thank,
2: thank you. you. Thank you for inviting us here. Thank you for the work that you're doing and sharing these stories. Um, I think that's really important, and we've had a blast. <laughs>
0: oh my yeah. god, this is thank not the you. end of us. Let the children know, ladies. Let them know where they can find you. Give them all the details, please.
2: (laughs) So you can find us on Authentic Food Quest. uh, uh, That's our website, AuthenticFoodQuest.com. Instagram at Authentic Food Quest. um, Twitter at Authentic Food Quest. But more importantly, check out our videos on YouTube at Authentic Food
0: Quest. Got it. You, you heard all that? Authentic Food Quest. Google is your friend, y'all. As, you're, as we're saying goodbye, you know what? Slide over, go to Instagram, hit the follow button, and you know what? Slide into my DMs. Tell me what pride means to you. Tell me your coming out stories. I love to hear them all. I love to be supportive. You know, say hi. Let's celebrate pride together because pride means community to me. Right. If you're going out this weekend in New York City or any other place that is celebrating Pride this week, please stay vigilant, stay safe, have a blast, take care of each other because we are a community together. We must take care of each other. Look out for each other out there. Be safe, please. Right. If you're drinking a ton, one for one. I got to be mom right now. I got to be mom. And maybe I need to take my own advice sometimes too. <laughs> if you're drinking, one, one drink, one water, right? Have a blast. Be safe. Get your vaccine. Hopefully you all have your vaccine already out there. Thank you once again to Claire and Rosemary for Authentic Food Quest. What a special day, especially during this Pride Week. And as always, thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth!